Welcome to the Dearly Woven Podcast. I am your host, Casey Dowell. This is the podcast all about making with fiber and the sheep who grow the wool we love to create with. Hi there, everyone. Welcome to episode nine. Today, you will be hearing from my guest, Julie of Leatherwood Creek Farm in Tennessee. Julie and her husband raised tuna sheep along with other heritage breeds. Julie loves to cook, and if you check out her website's blog, which I will have in the show notes, you will see yummy lamb recipes on there. Meat is not the only benefit of raising their sheep, but of course, all the wool too. Before we jump into the interview, after I had chatted with Julie, I found some neat information and history on the tunas that I wanted to share. And if y'all enjoy it, maybe I will start a new segment in the episodes with many history lessons and traits about the breeds being highlighted in the episode. So today, of course, we are going to be focusing on the tunas. So the tunas is an American breed developed from the Tunisian barbary sheep. They are said to date back to biblical times and were described as the fat tail sheep in the Old Testament. In 1799, the ruler of Tunisia, North Africa, gave them as a gift to George Washington. Thomas Jefferson also raised them and was known to prefer the tunis over his merinos for their wool attributes and meat quality. They were once one of the most popular breed of sheep in the U.S., especially in the southeast. That was until they were almost driven to extinction during the Civil War due to the military's high meat demand. The flocks that were left found their way to the New England and Great Lakes region. They became the strongholds for this breed. Today, Tunis is listed in the watch category on the Livestock Conservancy's conservation priority list. In recent years, the breed is gaining popularity and is being seen more in the southeast again. The Tunis is a medium-sized, dual-purpose breed with a sweet disposition. They have a distinctive look with cinnamon-colored heads and legs and a lovely creamy color medium-grade fleece. They are known for their disease and parasite resistance and are good grazers, allowing them to thrive in forage-based production systems. They have the tolerance for both the heat and humidity of the south and the cold of the north. Tunis ewes are said to be excellent mothers and heavy milkers. They produce adorable lambs of a mahogany red-colored wool that grows into the creamy color that the adults have. This heritage breed is said to be one of the best tasting meats of any sheep breed, and because market lambs are economical to raise, it makes them a great breed to raise for meat production. Their steady growing popularity is no surprise for this docile and hardy dual purpose breed. Now, let's jump into the interview and hear all about Julie's farm and her flock of sheep. Hi Julie, thank you for taking time out of your day to come on the podcast. Hello, I'm Julie Reefer, and I'm just happy to be here. Thank you for asking me. Would you like to share a little bit about yourself and the breeds of sheep that you raise? Yes. Um, my husband and I own Leatherwood Creek Farm in Pulaski, Tennessee. Um, we have three different breeds of sheep, um, maybe a little bit more than we need. But we started with the Tunis um, because they, they do very well in the South. Um, we have 10 Tunis and we have 12 new lambs on the ground. We have seven Shetland and 13 lambs on the ground and five Icelandic with two lambs on the ground. And did you have a livestock background before you started raising sheep? Yes, actually I grew up on a farm in Iowa and I think the farm girl never left me. Um, so when my husband retired from the army, 
we had all these possibilities. We didn't have to move anymore. We had an acreage. And so I just wanted to get some animals and we started with chickens and then goats. Um, that's what we started with, uh, heritage breeds, of course. We knew right from the get-go that's what we wanted to, to um, go with was the heritage breeds. Um, so we got Oberhasli dairy goats and we've had them for several years, but they will be leaving the farm this year because it's just too hard to manage the sheep and the goats. And I like the sheep a lot better. Gotcha. Are, are the goats harder to contain? Like what makes you prefer the sheep over the goats? The goats are just, um, it, it limits our travel. We can't, okay. it's hard to find somebody to milk the goats if we need to go anywhere. And their management is just, they're a high input animal. They're a high production animal. So you have to have a lot of high inputs. They require a lot of grain and um, they're, they're not very parasite resistant. They just, they're a high maintenance animal. Okay. And can you share, I know you said you picked the Tunis because they're good in the South. What about the Shetlands and the Icelandic? Do they do pretty well too in the Southern Eastern region? So the Icelandics do not, they, they really do struggle with the heat. Okay. Um, in the summertime, they will be the ones out there panting where the Shetlands are not, they handle it a lot better. And the Icelandics also don't have the parasite resistance that the Shetlands do. Um, so that, that part of our flock will never be very big. Um, we're going to focus more on the Tunis and the Tunis mainly in the Shetlands. They're more just for fun. Cause I like the colors. Mm -hmm. And jumping into um, the fencing, what have you found works best for your sheep to contain them and to keep predators out? So when we moved to this farm um, in 2016, it, it's 60 acres and it had really no perimeter fence. And so we did all the infrastructure ourselves. And so in a way that was good, so we could do it the way we wanted to the first time. Mm -hmm. um, so we have sheep and goat wire around the entire perimeter and we have two livestock guardian dogs. What breed are they? Uh, we have two Anatolian shepherds. And at first I was, I mean, it takes them all three years to mature. We got them as puppies. Um, we got one three years ago. So she has just turned, well, no, she's almost four now. And she has finally really come into her own and she's a very trustworthy, good dog. And then we got the second dog, when she was two so he's he's almost two now and for the longest time I didn't know if he was going to be cut out to be a livestock guardian dog he's very puppyish okay. but um he's he's finally something clicked in his head and he he's good and he's trustworthy now that's great so they do they kind of just stick with the sheep in the fields the whole time then yes they follow the flock we have one with I call them the woolly flock. That's my Shetlands and Icelandics. They're together. And the Tunis are in another flock because their flocking behavior is very different. So we have one dog with each group. And we hear a lot of coyotes. We've never seen one. Um, our main predators are neighbor's dogs, um, stray dogs. We had a stray dog get on the property a few weeks ago, and our dogs actually killed it. Oh, my goodness. So they were doing their job. Right. And then um, another concern we have is uh, vultures. Vultures um, 
there's certain kind, the, they have the blackheads. I think they're called the black-headed Mexican vulture. Okay. But they, they will attack um, animals giving birth in the pasture, even calves, lambs, goats. If they're around, they will attack and kill it. Now, um, you mentioned that they have different flocking behaviors. Can you kind of go into that? Like what the flocking behavior of the tunas versus the other breeds? So the, the woolies are primitive breeds and they don't necessarily flock like the tunas do. They will scatter. And the tunas, they'll stick together. They hear the dog bark, they all run to the barn. The, the Shetlands and Icelandics hear the dog bark and they like, they, they look up, but they might scatter and not stick together and run to the barn. So, I mean, I think it's just because they are a primitive breed. What got you interested in the tunas? Is it just because they were a good breed in the South for the heat? Or is there other things too that made you want to go towards them? So when we decided we wanted sheep, um, we were already members of the Livestock Conservancy and we knew we wanted a heritage breed. And we knew we wanted a dual purpose breed. Um, So that, and, and it had to be something that would tolerate the heat and humidity we have here in Southern Tennessee. So that narrowed the list quite a bit. Um, I think our options came down to the Tunis and the Gulf Coast and why I chose the Tunis. I think I just liked their size better. They're bigger sheep and I liked their red faces. They were different. Um, They were pretty easy to find, pretty easy to find. There's plenty of breeders around in the South and that made a difference also. And um, we wanted them to be able to survive on grass alone because we don't feed any grain. Okay. And would you like to kind of talk about their fiber and compared to the other breeds? Because I'm curious about the Icelandic, what their fiber is like too. So I'm, I'm pretty new to the fiber world. Okay. I just, I got sheep because I liked sheep and I had no, interest in sheep but then I had all this I mean in uh, fiber arts and then I had all this wool and I was like well I need to learn what to do with this wool so you know I've I've taught myself to weave I really enjoy that knitting is a bit of a struggle I'm a very slow knitter so weaving is much more satisfying for me because I can get a project knocked out and a few hours or a day as compared to weeks or months. Um, and I'm learning to spin, um, just started that. As far as the differences in the wool, so an Icelandic sheep has a dual coat. They have, the outer coat is uh, very coarse and not much crimp and that's called the tog. And the inner coat is called the fell and it's very soft and downy like. And you can um, blend them together to get a lopy style yarn. Um, good for outerwear and, you know, hats and scarves and uh, mittens and things like that. Um, the Shetland wool is, now mine are not the fine fleece Shetland. They're more, um, they're not really a dual coated, but they do have a longer staple length. It's about five inches, maybe a little less. And the wool is it's soft, but it's not as soft as... Um, what you would call the fine fleece Shetland. Um, and then the Tunis wool, the, the Tunis staple length is much shorter. It's about three and a half inches. Their wool is, it's soft and it's springy. 
and um, it doesn't felt like the Shetland and Icelandic wool felts. So have you used their wool then on your projects weaving? I have used, uh, I have woven some things with the Tunis and it's, it's beautiful. It's very easy to work with. Um, the Icelandic, I haven't, what I'm doing right now is processing my own fleece um, from a sheep that I, I actually hand sheared myself last fall. That was, that was an interesting adventure. Okay. Um, but I got the wool off. She was a little embarrassed to go back to the flock, but I got oh. it off. <laughs> I've been, um, I've got it washed and I've been processing that myself. And I, you know, you know, learning to spin. So the yarn is very uneven, but I'm sure that I can weave something with it. It's almost kind of like an artsy type yarn is what I'm getting so far. Um, and the Shetland, well, I had that, some of that made into yarn and I wove, uh, a scarf with it and and that's basically all I've done with with their wool. Now do you send most of your fleeces to a mill? Yeah last year was our first time to send our wool off to a mill um, and they did a beautiful job processing it and there there's no way that I would be able to process all of that wool um, especially not being as unknowledgeable as I am at this point about it so we do send it off um, there are no mills within driving distance for us. And, and so that, that is a problem. Um, so I have to ship everything and it's very expensive. I just sent 34 pounds of Tunis off to a mill for processing. And that cost me over a hundred dollars to ship it. Oh wow! And then of course I'll have to pay how to ship back also. And so that just, you know, it really cuts into your profit. Right. Um, in fact, my husband and I have talked about maybe at some point opening a mill in this area, um, but we, we have to do a lot of research on that and get a lot more knowledgeable about it, but I think we would not lack for business at all. Right. I, I keep hearing how packed and the wait times for mills too, because they have so many people interested in it. Yes. The, the turnaround time is generally about eight months. And in fact, I sent some, I sent wool to three mills last year and one mill hasn't even sent my wool back yet i'm not sure if i'll get it back even oh, wow. but um the other two took around eight months and do you get your when you send it to the mill do you get it processed into roving or yarn mostly roving that seems to be the best selling product for me i have had some made into yarn um i did a fingering weight last year with the lamb's wool because it was very very soft um but this year i'm going to have mostly dk and worsted weight for the yarn and what would you say is the biggest challenge you've had when it comes to raising sheep so i think there's a few challenges one is uh the lack of vet care um most vets, they know cows and they know horses. They don't know so much about the small ruminants. And I knew this going in because we had goats and that was already the case. Mm -hmm. So you have to learn a lot of your, your vet care. Um, but luckily for me, the tunas really, I really haven't had to do anything with them. They're very healthy. Um, I did have to take one into the vet this year because, um, her lamp, she had malpresentation and I couldn't fix it. Mm -hmm. And so we took her to the vet and it, it all turned out fine. Um, but as far as other health issues, we just, we just haven't had any 
but if if we do i can certainly google that yeah. <laughs> figure it out good old google <laughs> like i've done with the goats for many years yes um and then also um the fiber mills we yeah, talked about that mills. yeah and um developing a market for the products from sheep because we eat lamb and it's delicious but most americans don't eat lamb they don't they just I, I think they're not familiar with it they think that it's going to taste gamey and it does not um so that's just it's, it's a perception that we have to work through to market our lamb right and i saw on your website on your website blog you had posted different lamb recipes do you have a favorite go-to recipe no i love to cook so i'm always trying new things i i go to um american lamb Dot com and they have the best collection of recipes there and I just I look and see what I have all the ingredients for and that's what I make um, we really like ground lamb we like the lamb chops and ground lamb because the ground lamb is so versatile in the ways you can cook it and and flavor it and um, we like Mediterranean food and lamb just fits in really well with that cuisine do you sell your meat more than your fiber Right now, we are just selling our fiber. We have, um, we have used most of the lamb ourselves between us and our and our children's families. Um, but we will have plenty to sell this year, and we are going to be opening a store in our farm and sell our USDA processed meat from the store. That's exciting. Yes. And now you're a part of the Shave Them to Save Them program. Have you gotten a lot more interest in your fiber since joining that? Yes. If it wasn't for that program, I don't think I would be selling much fiber at all. So I am very, very thankful that they started this. And I think it's been great for all the different um, heritage breeds. And, and I know it's been good for me. Uh, so I'm, I'm really thankful that they, they started this program. And can you share um, a favorite characteristic about the Tunises or even each of the sheep breeds that you have? So the Tunis, I just love how laid back they are. They're so easy. I mean, I just throw them some hay and sometimes they'll eat it. And most of the time they just want to go out in the pasture and they stay out there all day. They graze and they, they just, they're very, very low maintenance. Um, the Shetlands, they're just fun to watch. <laughs> they're more like goats, the way they bounce around. And the babies are born almost wanting to run right away. And they just, they have the cutest little personalities. And the Icelandics are the same. And I love all their different colors. And um, I think I read, and I could be wrong, that Tunis are a dairy breed or like a milk breed too. Have you tried milking them at all? I have not. Um, I mean, I, I did milk one once last year just so I could taste it. And the milk was like melted ice cream. It was so sweet and rich. It was really good. Um, but I don't think milking sheep is anything I want to get into because again, that would just tie me down like the dairy goats do. And I would have to milk a lot of sheep to be able to make anything with it, like yogurt or um, cheese because they just don't give, they're, they're not as high of a producing dairy animal as the goat is. Right. I was going to ask if it was, if they gave a less amount than the dairy goats do. 
Yeah, quite a bit less. I saw that you have cows too. Do you use them for milk also, or do you have them for beef? Uh, well, we just got the cows last year, um, and they are just going to be for beef. Uh, they are a dual purpose breed, uh, but we just want them for beef. And our, our herd is small right now, but we will be expanding that and, and um, also sell that from our farm store. The more products we can have, I think the better it will be because if we just try to rely on selling lamb alone, I don't, that probably wouldn't draw very many people, mm -hmm. you know? So we'll be selling lamb and beef and eggs from our chickens and goat milk soap. I make that and um, the fiber products and, you know, various, a, a large variety of things. And so will it be an on-site farm store and online? It, it'll be both. Um, we're working on, we have a, a huge barn and we have dedicated a, a, a portion of it to be a farm store. And so we've been working on that off and on. It, it just takes a long time to get things done. My husband still has an off-farm job and it, he has an hour's drive to work. And so his, his time is very limited and things just take a long time to get done. <laughs> I completely understand that. It's like we want to put up fencing out here, like start putting up more perimeter fencing out here. And it's the same thing. My husband has a long commute and all of that. So everything is definitely a long process. Yes, yes, I know. <laughs> um, would you like to share your website or how anybody could get in contact with you in case they're interested in maybe buying some lamb or fiber from you? Yeah, our um, website is leatherwoodcreek.com. And we have Facebook. It, you can find us on uh, Leatherwood Creek Farm. And Instagram is Julie underscore Leatherwood Creek Farm. Great. And I'm loving all your, I'm following you on Instagram and I'm loving all the pictures of all the little lambs. <laughs> it makes my day seeing them. Yes, they are, they are so cute. I just love to go out there and watch them and take pictures and share the pictures. Yeah, they, they are super cute. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, I had a great time chatting with you today and thank you so much for coming on here and sharing all of that. Thank you for having me. I loved hearing all about Julie's farm and flock. It was so neat to hear the different characteristics between her Tunis, Shetlands, and Icelandic sheep. And I'm glad Julie touched on the need for fiber mills. It is so true. I hear all the time about the long turnaround times and there just isn't enough for the demand. But that tells me that wool is making a comeback in America, and that, my friends, is so exciting. Now, if you head over to my Instagram or Facebook, today's episode photo is a gorgeous picture Julie took of one of her tuna sheep. I would love if you would leave me a comment on it telling me what your favorite part of today's episode was, or if you liked the mini history segment and think I should keep doing it in future episodes. Alrighty, that's it. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take care and keep creating with fiber. Hey.